Get the unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. So Hong Yu with you on this Friday, February 16th, 2024. You're listening to a special holiday edition of the Beijing Hour coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China is increasing transport capacity to cope with surging traffic toward the end of the spring festival holiday. Ecuador has ratified a free trade agreement with China. Israeli special forces have raided Gaza's largest functioning hospital. And we will bring you the story of the first privately owned restaurant in China. In the second half, we will introduce to you a Chinese builder who has helped with infrastructure projects around the world for over a dozen years. Now today's top stories. Stats show China's railway network handled 230 million passenger trips for the first half of the 40-day Spring Festival travel rush until Wednesday. China State Railway Group reported over 15 million passengers alone on Thursday, setting a record for daily passenger numbers during the travel rush. Rail authorities have arranged over 1,000 extra trains to cope with the passenger flow. In Hainan, a popular resort province in southern China, airlines are also increasing capacity to meet passenger demand. A ferry service provider in Haikou City says traffic flow has increased by more than 20% from last year. Daikai has more. Now, when we talk about returning travelers, we're mainly mostly referring to those migrant workers who spend their holidays in smaller cities and towns and now going back to uh, bigger cities and major cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou and Shenzhen. Now, to cope with that high demand, the national railway authorities have actually taken targeted measures such as adding more trains on a daily basis and making it easier for travelers to switch between highways and airways as well as railways. Even before this holiday season began, we've learned from national transportation authorities here in China that they predicted a historic record of 9 billion trips to be made and 80% of them uh, would be through self-driving. So that's why we also see highways in areas in Yangtze River Delta and Pearl River Delta as well as Chengdu Chongqing areas are experiencing high or heavy traffic. That was Dakai on the Spring Festival travel rush in China. China's holiday movie market is booming as the Spring Festival box office has topped 7 billion yuan, or over 970 million U.S. dollars, surpassing last year's record. The main lineup consists of six new domestic productions. YOLO, a film about womanhood and self-love, continues to smash the trending lists, boosted by director and lead actress Jia Ling's transformative weight loss. It's followed by car racing comedy Pegasus 2, an animation Boonie Bear's time twist in ticket sales. The surge in the holiday movie season has also pushed the total box office in 2024 past 10 billion yuan on the Chinese mainland. Zhong Sunwu spoke to moviegoers in Sichuan province during the Spring Festival. Six films were shown during the week-long Spring Festival holiday from February 10th to 17th and over 100 million tickets have been sold as of the sixth day of the festival. The box office collection in each of the first three days surpassed 1 billion yuan, which is over 130 million U.S. dollars. The three films with top box office revenue were YOLO, Pegasus 2 and Boonie Bear's Time Twist. Viewers spoke highly of these films. 
I wanted to watch some comedy films with my family during this festival of reunions, but the films went far beyond my expectations. For example, the story in YOLO was so inspiring. So I believe it was a good thing to watch it with my child. I had heard about the film YOLO on my WeChat moment, so I wanted to feel the positive energy the film sends out. I hope it can help me get a good start to the year. Most of the young generation have traveled from Chengdu to their hometowns during the Spring Festival, leaving the theaters in central Chengdu not too busy. Yet the films have drawn viewers of all ages. Young people form the majority of viewers, but the films in this holiday are varied, so they attract viewers of most age groups. Most watch the films with their families. Yolo and Pegasus 2 are the most popular ones because they are comedies. We visited another theater in Chengdu. It has a vintage look. The theater boasts of old-style film projectors made in Germany and France, as also old posters. The manager told us that the latest favorites contributed a lot to the revenue. That from this year's Christmas special look, the content is. The films of this festive season focus on diverse and relevant topics that resonate with the viewers, such as family values and inspirational stories. So they attract people from all walks of life. There will be another busy period when the younger generation returns to Chengdu after the holiday. Viewers' expectations from films released during the Spring Festival holidays are rising, and the Chinese film industry is developing rapidly. So box office revenue keeps going up as the Spring Festival holiday continues. That was Zhang Songwu on the movie market in Sichuan during the Spring Festival. Ecuador has become the fourth Latin American country to ratify a free trade agreement with China. Ecuadorian President Daniel Noboa signed an executive order ratifying the agreement. The deal with China aims to boost bilateral trade and Ecuador's economy. Nicolas Suarez reports from Quito. With 76 votes in favor, 23 against, and 35 abstentions, Ecuador's National Assembly ratified a free trade agreement with China, signaling a new era in economic cooperation. We have the potential to create more than 50,000 jobs, with a growth of more than 32 percent in our exportable supply. According to Ecuador's central bank, between January and November 2023, trade between the two countries amounted to more than 10 billion dollars. Under the trade agreement, tariffs will eventually be eliminated on nearly all of Ecuador's exports to China. This is the fourth deal signed by the Asian giant in Latin America after Peru, Chile, and Costa Rica, reflecting China's commitment to fostering closer economic ties with the region. Daniel Egarda, a former minister, was involved in the free trade negotiations. The free trade agreement is a main milestone in the bilateral relation,、uh, especially in terms of trade and investment, and what the future can accomplish with this important tool. According to Ecuador's National Chamber of Aquaculture, Ecuador sold more fish and seafood to China than any other country in 2022. In fact, for every 100 shrimp that China bought that year, 70 came from Ecuador. Jose Antonio Camposano is with the country's national chamber of aquaculture. Practically 99% of the national supply will experience a reduction in tariffs in a very short time. 
The trade agreement also builds spaces for the exchange of technical information. A large part of the investments that are permanently made in the country are intended to adapt our industry to serve the largest market in the world, which is China. Officials say the trade deal will lead to diversification of other exports to China, including agriculture. If the country manages to do good foreign trade, a very broad panorama opens up. Even the quinoa produced by Ecuador would fall short. The possibilities will increase as long as the government promotes the planting of quinoa at rational prices for the exporter and teaches all people how to export, not just the companies that currently do. As Ecuador enters this new economic chapter with China, strategic planning will be key to ensuring sustainable growth. That was Nicolas Suarez on the free trade agreement between Ecuador and China. Coming up, Israeli special forces have raided Gaza's largest functioning hospital. Hey, this is Ding Han from World Today. Hello, this is Guo Yan from the Beijing Hour. For the year of the Chinese dragon in 2024, wishing you success in everything you do in the year of the dragon. Hello, I'm Jim with Takeaway Chinese. May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you boundless opportunities and amazing achievements in your career. I would like to wish you May this auspicious year bring you abundant opportunities to realize your dreams and showcase your talents. Happy Chinese New Year! It's 10 minutes past the hour. Israeli special forces have raided Gaza's largest functioning hospital in an operation they say was to recover the bodies of hostages. Israel says the operation at Nasser Hospital was based on credible intelligence from a number of sources. Hamas has rejected the Israeli claim, calling it a lie. Associated Press correspondent Elena Bekatoris has more. The Israeli military has raided a hospital in Khan Yunus. The hospital is one of the few still functioning in the entire territory, and it had been sheltering thousands of Palestinians who had been displaced by the fighting earlier during the war. On Wednesday, the military ordered the displaced people who were sheltering there to evacuate. The majority of them did so, but it had said that the doctors and the patients being treated in NASA hospital could remain. During the night, however, there was a strike on the hospital. It hit one of the hospital's wards, and the medical staff there said that one patient was killed and six were wounded in that strike. The military then moved into the hospital. It said it was operating on credible information that hostages had been held in that complex in the past and that the bodies of of some hostages could still be there. The patients and the staff were moved into an older building where the staff have said conditions are very, very difficult indeed. Now, separately, there have been ceasefire negotiations being held in Cairo in order to find some kind of a solution to the conflict, to see uh, a pause in the fighting, a ceasefire, in return for the release of hostages. However, these talks appear to have stalled now, and the Israeli Prime Minister and the Israeli government is insisting that it will push on Rafa, a town on the, in the far south of the Gaza Strip on the border with Egypt, where it says remnants of Hamas are still fighting. 
Now this also is a town where the majority of the Gaza Strip's 2.3 million people are now sheltering. They are sheltering there because they were displaced by the fighting earlier during the war and they were under evacuation orders by the Israeli military. It's unclear where they will go. The Israeli military has said that it is working on an evacuation plan for the civilian population. But how long this will take to evacuate all these people, where they will go, still remains very unclear. That was Elena Begatoris in Jerusalem. South Africa has asked the World Court to consider whether Israel's planned offensive in Rafah violates the Genocide Convention and Palestinians' rights. Last month, the International Court of Justice ordered Israel to take all measures to prevent its troops from committing genocide in a case presented to it by South Africa. Israel has denied the allegations. Russia says seven people have died and 18 others have been injured in a Ukrainian rocket attack on the border city of Belgorod. The health ministry says one child was among those killed. The injured also included four children. After months of heavy fighting, the Ukrainian military says it's withdrawing troops from the eastern town of Avdivka to better positions. It says it's sending one of Ukraine's most prominent fighting units, the 3rd Assault Brigade, to the town to reinforce their troops. The brigade says the situation in Avdivka is threatening and unstable. Three people, including two juveniles, are in custody after a mass shooting in the U.S. state of Missouri. The incident occurred at a parade on Wednesday celebrating the Super Bowl victory of the Kansas City Chiefs. One 43-year-old woman died and 22 others were injured, half of them children under the age of 16. Dan Williams reports from Kansas City. The morning after yet another mass shooting, debris and possessions strewn across the ground an estimated one million people had gathered for a victory parade to revel in the Kansas City Chiefs' latest Super Bowl win. While the formal rally had ended, some players were still on a stage outside Union Station when gunshots rang out. And chaos erupted. During the news conference Thursday, police said they believed the shooting stemmed from an argument. I want to stress that preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. Tony Monson was recording video for a local production company. He witnessed the whole thing. There was rapid popping, multi-shots were fired, which it sounded like a roll of firecrackers. People were frantic and running around and people were pushing over each other. But Tony is hopeful the community can rise above the tragedy. This is a time that people can come together and people were together and I think that in order to get through this people need to come together and share their experience. The shooting once again highlights the issue of gun violence in the United States. According to the non-profit Gun Violence Archive that tracks gun-related incidents, this was the 49th mass shooting in the U.S. this year alone. Jan Lay lives in an apartment overlooking the station. Unfortunately, it's just everyday life in America here again. You know, we can't uh, get together 
as a group, as a as a city, to celebrate anything without the fear of having you know some type of shooting, mass uh, shooting that affects all of our community. And now our community, um, you know, is hurting when it actually should be celebrating and, and relishing this huge victory by the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. This should have been a day of joy, a chance to unite and celebrate the incredible achievements of the Kansas City Chiefs. But that moment quickly turned to horror and despair. Now, this is simply just the latest scene of yet another mass shooting. That was Dan Williams on the Kansas City mass shooting. Britain's Labour Party has dealt a crushing blow to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's Conservatives, securing two by-election wins. In the central English town of Wellingborough, Labour's Jen Kitchen turned over a majority of over 18,000. Kitchen says her win has sent a clear message to the ruling party that people want change. I am honoured that local people have placed their trust in me and the Labour Party under Keir Starmer. But I also know from the thousands of conversations I have had during this campaign how desperately people want change and a fresh start for our country. The people of Wellingborough have spoken for Britain. This is a stunning victory for the Labour Party and must send a message from Northamptonshire to Downing Street. In Kingswood, southwestern England, Labour's Damien Egan has overturned a majority of more than 11,000. Analysts say the votes suggest the opposition party is on track to win a national election later this year. Some Conservative MPs claim Rishi Sunak's leadership is solid, and by-elections don't change that. Members of the United Nations are calling for continued global efforts to tackle climate change and food insecurity. Palau's UN Ambassador Ilana Seed says the Pacific Island nation is the typical victim of climate change. Rising sea levels have flooded its coastal towns and villages, causing displacement, threatening people's livelihoods. Seed is asking the UN to beef up efforts to address climate issues. Palau reiterates our call for a special representative of the Secretary General on Climate Change and Security, who would inform the future work of the Council and the Assembly. We also urge this body to continue to focus on the disproportionate impact that climate change and food insecurity have on small island developing states like Palau, and we invite the Council to visit us to learn more about them firsthand. Laetitia Courtois is the permanent observer and head of the delegation of the International Committee of the Red Cross to the UN. She underscores the importance of global action in resolving existing problems. Without decisive support from the international community and strong compliance with international humanitarian law, things will only get worse and existing vulnerabilities and crises will multiply. We must ensure that this is not the case and that those most at risk remain our urgent priority. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has warned that climate chaos and food crisis are increasing threats to global peace. Indian farmers pressing for higher prices for their crops are vowing to continue protesting until the government meets their demands. We left behind our children and households to come here. We will leave only when our demands are met. Otherwise, we will keep sitting here. We take loans and we don't get a fair price for our crops, we commit suicide. Farmers make up a huge number in overall suicide cases. Thousands of farmers took part in a march earlier this week to press the government to set a minimum price for their produce. 
but they were stopped by security forces about 200 kilometers away from the capital, triggering clashes. Security forces used concrete and metal barricades, as well as drones carrying tear gas can- canisters, to stop them from advancing. The protest comes two years after Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government repealed some farm laws and promised to find ways to ensure stable prices for all produce. Still to come in the show, the story of the first privately owned restaurant in China. Hi, this is Li Yunqi with the podcast Deep Dive. Hello, everyone. This is Zhao Ying with World Today. As the Chinese saying goes, "Jiao Long De Yun Yu, Zhong Fei Chi Zhong Wu." I wish the year of the Chinese dragon brings you strength, courage, and fiery passion to guide your path in 2024. I wish you 鱼跃龙门，大展宏图。May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you strength and a bright future. Hi there, this is Yang Guan with the sideline story. As we usher in the year of the Chinese dragon, allow me to extend to you my best wishes for happiness, cheerfulness, and success. It's 21 minutes past the hour. In late 1978, the Communist Party of China opened the historic third plenary session of the 11th CPC Central Committee. Which decided to adopt the policy of reform and opening up. The meeting paved the way for China's rise to become the world's second-largest economy. Today, the country's thriving private sector stands as a symbol of its economic success. Zhou Fang visited the first privately owned restaurant in the country and spoke with a third-generation operator about their family stories over the past few decades. The restaurant Yue Bin, which means delight the guests, was opened in Dongcheng District in Beijing two years after the country began its reform and opening. Guo Hua is the third-generation operator of Yue Bin. Back then, our family was really struggling. My grandparents had five kids, and they were all depending on my grandpa's paycheck. They figured, since they were good at cooking, maybe they could use their skills to make life better for the family. Guo's grandpa earned slightly more than 30 yuan, or around four U.S. dollars per month, while the national average at that time was around 67 yuan. In 1980, starting a private restaurant was unheard of, and the authorities were very cautious. With the persistence of her grandmother, the authorities finally agreed. They even helped Guo's family get a loan of 500 yuan from the bank. The restaurant was very popular. At first, we could only seat four tables and serve around 14 to 15 customers each day. Most of our diners had to book a month in advance. Shortly after opening, Yuebin Restaurant attracted widespread attention in China, including from many foreign media outlets. The United Press International reported that in the heart of China, delicious food and private businesses are reviving in narrow alleys. On the first day of opening, the restaurant earned nearly 40 yuan, which was more than Guo's grandpa's monthly salary. In a few years, Guo's grandparents became wealthy with savings of 10,000 yuan. The restaurant even attracted embassy staff from foreign countries. 
Liu Zhiqin is a senior fellow of the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University of China. He says he still remembers the crowded scene when dining at the restaurant. He also says the country's reform policy has brought substantial changes to people's thoughts and lives. At that time, that、uh, many people were very、uh, strange to the world of private, private enterprise or private economy. So that's why I say that.、Uh, The reform and open up policy make the people to change in other way to think about the way of uh, uh, working of life. They change the idea. The second is that the people are、uh, became more confident with great confidence for the future. With the restaurant's thriving business and increasing revenue, the family opened another restaurant nearby in 1992 called Yue Xian. Our family went from being poor to owning properties for all five members of my father's generation. They got married and had children. All of us kids went to college, and some even went abroad, thanks to our restaurants. Hu Hua worked at a company for a few years after graduating from college in 2011. Her grandmother then persuaded her to come back and work at the restaurants. The total area of the two restaurants is now around 220 square meters, four times the original size. Who says they now have customers from four different age groups? I've been coming here since it opened over 40 years ago, and it hasn't changed a bit. It was crowded back then. Just like it is now. We ordered the gluten cabbage. I consider trying to make it at home, but it's not as simple as it looks. Guo says preserving the original flavors has been the focus for decades. I'm really happy with how things are going. The customer flow in our restaurants is pretty steady. I hope to keep making delicious food and work towards making it a century-old restaurant in the alley. Senior fellow Liu Zhiqin at Renmin University says the private sector has contributed a lot to the country's progress and modernization. Private、uh, economy contributed at least 50 percent of the GDP, national GDP, and 60 percent of the tax income, and also 70 percent of unemployment, 80 percent. Or the innovation that contributed by the private companies, I had at one hundred percent contribution by private、uh, economy. That is the stabilization of the society. Because I think the private economy developed very well, very、uh, coordinated. That makes our societies very stable. Over the past few years, governments at different levels have been launching policies to support private businesses. According to Guo, they now have an easier access to financial products and services. For the Beijing Hour, this is Zhou Fang. The maker of ChatGPT has unveiled a new tool capable of instantly making short videos in response to written commands. Microsoft-backed OpenAI says the software called Sora is able to generate complex scenes with multiple characters, specific types of motion, and accurate details of the subject and background. The tool isn't yet publicly available, and OpenAI has revealed limited information about how it was built. 
but the high quality of videos displayed by OpenAI has astounded observers, while also raising fears about the ethical and societal implications. OpenAI says it's also developing tools to determine whether a video is generated by Sora. Now it's 28 past the hour. Let's check the weather. Beijing is down to minus 2 on Friday evening. Saturday will be sunny with a high of 11. Nanchang is 7 tonight, tomorrow cloudy with a high of 20. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad is 10 this evening. Saturday will be overcast with a high of 22. Vientiane is 19 overnight, tomorrow will be sunny with a high of 33. In Africa, Nairobi will see sunny sky with a high of 29 on Saturday. Kampala is 18 overnight. Tomorrow will be overcast with a high of 28. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. In the second half, we will introduce to you a Chinese builder who has helped with infrastructure projects around the world for over a dozen years. Making news today, China is increasing transport capacity to cope with surging traffic toward the end of the Spring Festival holiday. On behalf of the staff, this is Dou Hongyu in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An General Railway Company Deutsche Director Bahn of the International the United Nations Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. I this might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. From north to south, East to West, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. Thirty-nine-year-old Zhang Yiqing is an infrastructure project builder. Over the past 13 years, he has helped build a series of construction projects in the Bahamas, Egypt and many other countries. A challenging situation can drive a person to tap into his or her potential. When you try hard, the difficulties will not be that frightening as you previously imagined. Always ready to take challenges and passionate about his work, Zhang has demonstrated to the world the superb building prowess and excellent teamwork of Chinese builders. But what does this Chinese builder look like? 
and how has he surmounted the challenges he encountered? Join us on Footprints to find out. You've been listening to programs from CGTN Radio. CGTN Radio. We invite you to visit us online for more audio, pictures and in-depth reports. At radio.cgtn.com, you can access a wide range of programs and find your favorite news, talk, features, entertainment shows and podcasts. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. You're listening to Footprints. Welcome back. On a scorching hot summer's day, we went to meet Zhang Yiqing, the newly appointed chief manager of a major Beijing-based construction company, officially called the China Construction First Group Construction and Development Company. When he arrived at the meeting room, we felt an instant quickening of pace of things and people around him. With a tall frame and fast gait, his presence brought a feeling of confidence, energy and firmness. At the age of only 39 years old, his voice betrays both youthfulness and authority, a quality undoubtedly arising from his managerial position. In fact, it only took a little more than a decade for Jiang to be transformed from a college graduate to a company manager in charge of thousands of employees and assets amounting to billions of US dollars. His spectacular rise started in the summer of 2010, when he graduated from Tsinghua University and joined the company of which he is now in charge. As a fresh graduate from one of China's most prestigious higher learning institutes, he started from the very basics to get familiar with the administrative system of his company and the construction projects it was undertaking. My superiors at the time sent me to work for a short while at different construction sites across China. Such an experience allowed me to understand what it's really like in terms of undertaking a project. Being a fast learner and willing to take risks, he soon applied to go abroad to take part in the construction of a resort in the Bahamas, a grand real estate project. I was confident that I could adapt to a foreign working environment. Moreover, I wanted to see the world. You know, there were few such opportunities at the time. Most of the business of our company was involved within China. So I cherished the opportunity, as it was not easy to get. Zhang Yiqing lived and studied in the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region for a year as an exchange student. That experience helped him improve his English-speaking skills and his ability to adapt to a new environment. The young man jumped at the opportunity of working on the Bahamas project, eager to gain as much practical experience as possible. His family fully supported his decision. I got married before setting off for the Bahamas. My wife gave me her full support. My parents, my wife and I all agreed that my choice would be beneficial to my career development and the welfare of my whole family in the long term, although we needed to pay a price. One of the prices he paid was that Zhang and his family had to endure long-term separation. At the end of June 2011, Zhang and seven other young employees of his company flew to work at the construction site of the Bahamas. On June 30th, 2011, 
They arrived at the International Airport of Nassau, capital of the island country. Upon landing, Zhang instantly felt the warmth and hospitality of the Bahamians. I remember when we were waiting for customs clearance at the airport, we saw a group of performers dancing and singing nearby. This scene was atypical. You don't see such a scene in most other international airports. The Bahamas is a very popular tourist destination. The country relies on tourism for much of its national income and economy. Staging performances in the international airport was a way to attract tourists and show the country's hospitality. From the airport, the young man went straight to the construction site. The resort project, occupying 1,100 acres, was near a beach called Cable in the Bahamas' capital Nassau. The floor area of the buildings to be erected amounted to 320,000 square meters. At the time, the project was the largest of its kind in the Americas and the largest overseas house-building project undertaken by a Chinese enterprise. Zhang was assigned to purchase mechanical and electrical equipment for the project while carrying out liaison with local business partners of his company. The eight of them were the second batch of personnel sent by the company to work on the Bahamas project. The first batch, about 30 individuals, arrived in the first half of 2011. The project started in May 2011 in earnest. He had to quickly adapt and learn on the job. It's like joining a group of bike riders halfway through. After you join them, you must speed up to catch up with the group. It's a challenge to quickly adapt to the pace and the new working environment. Doing a project overseas is different from doing a project domestically. At the time, even the experienced workers and my superiors needed to adapt while tutoring me. During this process, all of us had to learn to adapt. At the same time, I had to complete the task assigned to me. In general, this was a major challenge for me. Zhang turned the challenge into an opportunity. Always seeing things in a positive light, young Zhang Yiqing made use of the opportunity to bring out his full potential. A challenging situation can drive a person to tap into his or her potential. When you try hard, the difficulties will not be that frightening as you previously imagined. So after I became a project manager in later years, I suggested to my superiors that we should deploy young workers to the front line of construction projects, including projects in a foreign country. You should trust their potential. In the Bahamas project, Zhang organized the purchasing of mechanical and electrical equipment, ranging from screws to industrial purpose air conditioners. Writing emails and making calls every day, Zhang communicated with suppliers of the equipment in the United States, which is near the Bahamas. Making use of his computer knowledge, he established a software database monitoring the purchase, arrival and destination of all the mechanical and electrical equipment. His work helped improve the efficiency of the whole project. Halfway through his stay there, his outstanding work was recognized by the company. 
he was promoted to be a deputy manager in charge of purchasing and commercial relations of the Bahamas project. Altogether, Zhang worked at the Bahamas project for three and a half years. The Bahamas project helped him develop as a professional career person and, more importantly, laid the foundation for him to grow to be a construction project manager. I have developed a good work habit during the Bahamas project. I learned how to communicate well with my superiors, fellow colleagues and commercial partners. And he has made many good friends among his colleagues, with whom he can cooperate well in future projects. Among them is Liu Yu, who is two years younger than him. The two first met in 2011 and both volunteered to work in the Bahamas project. Liu, who was born in 1986, says Zhang is good at communicating with others and is a gifted problem solver. Liu noticed early on that Zhang possessed good leadership traits. During all the years since I first met him, I have never seen Zhang infuriated or complaining at work. Whenever he faces a problem, he calmly analyzes it with logic and tries to find out its root causes and then solve it. He's always cool-headed, a trait which many people lack. The two both have good memories of their days in the Bahamas, which Zhang compares to a paradise on earth. The resort they helped build opened to business in 2017, drawing tens of thousands of tourists visiting it every year. Company figures show that more than 5,000 workers have participated in the construction of the resort project. The resort was forecast to bring nearly 1.8 billion US dollars of economic benefits to the Bahamas annually. Zhang Yiching says the island country is included in his family's travel plans, although he is yet to spare the time from his busy schedule to make it happen. In fact, the project is an epitome of the good relations between China and the Bahamas, which established diplomatic ties in 1997. Speaking in May 2023, Bahamian Prime Minister Philip Davis described the bilateral relations over the past 26 years as fruitful. I must say that since the relations has commenced, we, we have had a very fruitful relationship and they have come to our aid in many instances when we needed assistance. And so the relationship has been very fruitful and China has made several significant investments in the Bahamas. And we look forward to continuing those investments. After Zhang Yiching returned to China from the Bahamas in 2015, he served briefly in various managerial positions in projects both at home and abroad. At the end of 2017, Zhang was set to begin his second major overseas construction project. This time, his destination was Egypt, and he served as the project manager for the Package 4 section of the central business district of Egypt's new administrative capital. Being built some 50 kilometers east of the Egyptian capital Cairo, the new administrative capital and its central business district are designed to relocate major government institutions from the increasingly congested and overpopulated capital city, which is home to about one-fifth of the country's 100 million population. According to the contract, his company was to build two interconnected high-rise office buildings. Right after being appointed to oversee the project, 
Zhang put his heart and soul into it. As the first step, he quickly built his team. His experience in the Bahamas helped him. His team includes some of his friends he made during the Bahamian project, such as Liu Yu. On March 14, 2018, Zhang and five others flew to the Egyptian capital of Cairo, embarking on his journey as a builder in Egypt. As the manager of the project, Zhang had to deal with all kinds of activities related to the project, from building and managing a team to ensuring the engineering and technical success of the project. When recalling the experience, Zhang says he was confident in his ability, although he was very young then, 33 years old, and only eight years into his career. To him, technical or engineering issues were not much of a challenge. The real challenge was something else. I knew the project well before I set off for Egypt. I participated in the planning phase of the project in 2016 and 2017. I knew the contours of the project and what major challenges it would pose to us. Moreover, from an engineering perspective, the project was not supposed to be very challenging. The challenges arose from our lack of experience in doing projects in that particular region. In my judgment at the time, I was confident that I could overcome the difficulties and challenges that I would encounter. Altogether, Zhang was responsible for overseeing thousands of engineers, technicians and workers from both China and Egypt. His managerial team numbered 130. 50% of them were Egyptian. The average number of workers numbered about 2,000. More than half of them were Egyptian. For Zhang himself, his main challenge was to organize and encourage his large group of people to get along well with each other and work with efficiency. We should have the capacity for empathy. With empathy, we can better communicate with each other and then solve problems when we face them. And this can smooth over the working relations in a hierarchical corporate structure. In the second month after their arrival, Zhang and Liu Yu set up a happiness center where employees could do exercises and relax in their spare time. Liu was to be responsible for the welfare of the workers, team building and creating a corporate culture where Chinese and foreign workers could cooperate well. Zhang and Liu devised an innovative scheme for Chinese and Egyptians to experience each other's culture while respecting each other's unique customs. Whenever there was an Egyptian festival, Chinese and Egyptian workers were organized to dine together, eating Egyptian food. When celebrating a Chinese festival, Chinese food would be featured at their common celebratory parties. Zhang reminisces about the scenes of Chinese and Egyptians enjoying hot pot, a very slow and interactive meal that involves everyone cooking their food in a shared pot of broth. Encapsulating China's communal dining culture, the meal is more of an experience than a dish itself. Enjoying such a meal together allowed Chinese and Egyptians to eat and talk just like close friends and family members. Under Zhang's guidance, Liu also created programs for Chinese and Egyptians to carry out volunteer service together. Every month we did volunteer service independently or together with local charities. 
For example, we went to visit the elderly in nursing homes. We put up a Chinese-style performance or sang a Chinese song in front of them. They were very happy and gave us a hearty smile, which made us feel warm and encouraged. Warm and encouraged. The feeling is also true the other way around. Salwa Saad is an Egyptian engineer who's been hired by the Chinese company since 2019. Saad is responsible for quality control. Through her years of work and interactions with Zhang and other Chinese, Saad finds the team atmosphere warm and family-like. She attributes this to the good leadership of Zhang. He treats us like a big brother and family, not only as a manager. He make big family between the Chinese and the Egyptian, and uh, he teaches a lot of things in our work. Zhang's strong leadership and the hard work carried out by both Chinese and Egyptian builders ensured the project progressed smoothly from the first foundational column they laid underground in 2019 to the topping out of the main structures two years later. But in the summer of 2021. Jiang and his Chinese team met an unexpected challenge from Egyptian engineers. Jiang says the challenge, like other ones he has faced, didn't come from the pure engineering or technological sphere, as Chinese builders and companies are very experienced in infrastructure construction. Instead, they were often challenged to encourage foreign engineers to accept Chinese building technologies. Which have long been proved safe and efficient in a great number of projects within China. Zhang says his team came across such a challenge when they tried to build a skyway between two buildings, which involved lifting a ready-made bridge into the air to fit in between the two office buildings. On July the first, 2021, after 18 hours of hard work, the iconic bridge or air corridor connecting the two office buildings. Was successfully lifted and installed. The steel skyway has a span of 31.4 meters and weighs 161 tons. It has been described as the corridor of China-Egypt friendship, or as a gateway to China-Egypt cooperation. We used four sets of hydraulic lifting equipment, similar to jacks, to lift the steel corridor. We overcame some technical difficulties. If the lifting speed was too fast, the steel corridor would be unstable. If it was too slow, there was a risk of failure due to adverse weather conditions. We had to have the perfect speed to lift it, then place and fit it into the correct position. But. Behind this feat, Zhang Yicheng and his team have had to make great efforts to convince Egypt's project quality supervisors. The corridor weighs 161 tons. Lifting such a heavy structure 141 meters above the ground was not an easy task. Moreover, there is no previous application in Egypt of this technology. Egyptian quality supervisors were doubtful. Originally, Chinese builders planned to lift the structure on June the 29th, 2021, and invited media to live broadcast the process. Two days before the planned lifting, Egyptian supervisors demanded Chinese builders to demonstrate the feasibility and safety of the technology with a controlled experiment. As a result, Chinese engineers and technicians used the hydraulic equipment to lift the air corridor. 
20 centimeters above the ground and made it stay there for 24 hours. The experiment succeeded and it finally convinced the Egyptian quality supervisors. When the lifting started the next day, the scene attracted many members of the local media and engineers. Egyptian engineer Salwa Saad was amazed by the scene. Managers and engineers, we stay at the site all the night to protect the project, the bridge, and to see what happened step by step, see and check the level every step for this bridge till be safe and till reach the floor 29. And after we finish this, this is very fantastic and very good job for us and we celebration for this. Zhang Yiching says the celebration was not only for his team, but also for the successful application of Chinese building technologies in a foreign land, which are yet to be recognized by more and more countries. Through the Egyptian project, Zhang has summed up important lessons for Chinese builders undertaking infrastructure projects in foreign countries. We should first adapt ourselves to local conditions. We must first follow the rules, norms and standards of the local market. In this way, it's easier to gain the trust of our partners. After trust is established, we then can promote to them our own ways of management and Chinese building technologies. If trust has been established, it becomes easier for them to accept. In December 2021, as the Egyptian project Zhang had overseen was winding down, he returned to China. His excellent work in Egypt led to his promotion to the position of deputy chief manager of his company in charge of market sales. In 2023, Zhang Yiching was again promoted chief manager of his company, which includes thousands of employees. At present, the company, a subsidiary of the conglomerate, China State Construction Engineering Corporation, undertakes more than 170 projects. Ten of them are in foreign countries, including Egypt, Iraq, Russia and Chile, which have all joined the Belt and Road Initiative. Zhang admits that the overseas projects only comprise a small part of his company's business, about 4% in terms of income. But that 4% overseas business consumes about 20% of his time and energy. He forecasts an increase in this business area in the future. This part of business is very important. It's much more difficult and imperative to control risks emerging from it than domestic business. If a problem occurs to our overseas business, it will be very hard for us to solve and it will affect our company's overall operation and prestige. Of course, conversely, the 4% overseas business will bring great benefits, much larger than this proportion, if it develops well. The 4% overseas projects undertaken by Jiang's company are part of the overall cooperation between China and other countries under the framework of the Belt and Road Initiative. According to China's foreign ministry, this initiative has created 420,000 jobs for partner countries and lifted nearly 40 million people out of poverty over the past 10 years. Now serving as the chief manager of his company, Zhang Yiching is busy with charting a long-term development strategy. While steering his company in the treacherous commercial world, 
Zhang says he stands ready to accept new challenges and to impress the world with outstanding Chinese building prowess. With that, we conclude this edition of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary but incredible people in China, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Just key in Footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Roundtable. Headline news. World today. Footprints. Deep dive. Takeaway Chinese. The Chap Lounge. Sideline story. Climate watch. I would like to wish you happy Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year. Hey there, I'm your host Wang Zihang. Dou Hongyu. This is Tianyu. This is Zhou Fang with the Beijing Hour for the Year of the Chinese Dragon. 祝大家龙年大吉，诸事顺意。May you soar to new heights and achieve great success in your career. I wish you the grace of startled swan and the wandering dragon in 2024. Hello, guys. I'm your host Tianlu with the headline news. May your path be illuminated by the dragon's courage and mighty strength. What's up, everybody? It's Yushun from Roundtable. Hi, guys. This is Li Yi. Xingyu. With Roundtable for the Year of the Chinese Dragon. I wish you a new year filled with strength, good health, prosperity, vitality, joy, success, and exciting adventures. He Yang, 祝您在新的一年里 be great and unstoppable as a dragon soaring through the oceans. This is Niu Honglin from Roundtable and Takeaway Chinese. I wish you a vibrant and energetic start to this great year of the Long Happy Year of the Dragon. Hey, this is Ding Han. Good Anna. This is Zhao Ying. This is Xu Yawen with World. Today, wishing you success in everything you do in the year of the dragon. May you have good fortune, wisdom, strength, endless moments of bliss, great success, and a bright future. Hello, guys. This is Brandon Yates. This is Yang Guan with the sideline story. As we usher in the year of the Chinese dragon, I would like to wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous year ahead. Hey there, it's Yu Shen from Footprints. May your days be adorned with joy, prosperity, and good spirits. Hello, I'm Jane. With Takeaway Chinese, may this auspicious year bring you abundant opportunities. Hi, this is Zhu Yun. May you find the hidden dragon in yourself in the year of the Chinese dragon. Be there with me at the chat lounge. Hey guys, this is Gao Junya, host of Climate Watch. This is Li Yunqi with the podcast Deep Dive. I wish the year of the Chinese dragon brings you strength, courage, and fiery passion. An abundance of good fortune and joy in the Chinese New Year in 2024. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day.
tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West and understanding is the goal. From north to south, east to west, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys.